America needs a tidal wave of the old time religion. I have sinned against you. How dare you! We have no need to doubt God. The heart of Babylon is preparing the nations to receive the Antichrist. I didn't even build that house with money from the church. I built it with money from my book. I don't make this stuff up. Repenting of your sin. It is a moral issue. They got together and swore a pact to the devil. I just enjoy seeing people worship, praising God. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Leaf It, or Did We, the show where we doodly, doodly, doodly done. I'm Trevor Pullman. Doodly daddly, and I'm Damian Depping. And today we're talking about, it's, you know, Christmas is approaching. It's almost that time. So, of course. The Xmas season. The Xmas season is upon us. Mm -hmm. Noel, uh, Feliz Mm -hmm. Navidad. I don't know Noel. I don't know Felice. Mm. Uh, yeah, Noel. I went to high school with Noel. Actually, I do know Felice. I know a Felipe. Mm. Felipe Navidad. Felipe, Felipe. Navidad. Yes. Uh, so, mm. of course, we're going to talk um, about Easter passion plays. Oh, Easter. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I now don't plan things. Do they call them passion plays because everyone just wants to make out and fuck Jesus? Yeah. Is that why they call that's it? That's why passion they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know, but I figured that's probably what it was. Yeah. Is all just about about wanting to make it a big suck and fuck fest yeah, for the Lord. It's just a big suck and fuck fest. <laughs> Actually, it comes from the for the Lord. The other definition of passion, which is suffering, so it's the suffering of Christ. Mm. So, uh, which you know, of that's course, a sad thing to think about when you're like getting a passion fruit. Yeah, and it's just the suffering, the suffering fruit. fruit. <laughs> you didn't look at the little brackets or the little asterisks beside yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you eat it and you're just depressed and hurting. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> but uh, anyway. the reason I wanted to talk about passion plays is because I just mm-hmm. talked to the author of this book, I Am Herod, mm-hmm. uh, by Richard. Kelly Kemick, Richard Kelly Kemick, had a great conversation with him about his experience in the passion play and writing a book about being in a passion play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought we'd talk about passion plays for a bit and then, uh, yeah. you know, swing on over to our conversation or my conversation with uh, Richard. So passion play started in, uh, you know, the middle, the middle ages in the medieval times um, in the Latin, and basically they'd read the gospel, they'd read some uh, poetic stuff about Jesus being crucified, and there'd be a little drama, like Mary mm. Magdalene, or her life and repentance, raising of Lazarus, and the Last Supper, all the, the big key moments in the, in the passion and the story of the Christ. And then, uh, and then they'd, you know, show him being crucified, um, and then it kind of lasted a while, and they did it for a long time all throughout Europe. And then Satan became a big part of it at some point mm. in the German and Czech plays, and which is probably why, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, Satan plays a big role, even though he's not as big a role in the actual Bible, but he's in there. Mm. Um, Makes a better movie or play to have a bad guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you already got Judas and Herod um, mm-hmm. and uh, the old uh, Pontius Pilate, but yeah. yeah, but it's better to have like a big fantastical bad guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, you don't want something that you know believers are still going to feel is a, a a real threat today. Yeah, you know that's true because no one cares about Judas or Herod or any of these bozos anymore. They're dead in the ground. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but but Satan. Yeah. He's present right now. Mm-hmm. He's inside me right now. He's, yep. Probably He's inside right all butt. of us. Right up my butt. Rooting for quarters. <laughs> exactly. And the earliest ones in France and Flanders mm-hmm. um, are mm-hmm. uh, in the 13th century based on the Passion des Jongleurs. Uh, always speak French on this podcast, Trevor. You do it flawlessly. <laughs> you should just do like a one of those uh, Google auto translate just the voice things next time you need something read. Yeah, exactly. I should. <laughs> At least if it's bad, you can be like, "Well, that's what the internet says." Yeah. <laughs> what fifteen oh one? They had one that lasted a week. Does that mean they play it over and over again a week, or does the whole play take a week to happen? That's a long. Maybe play. both. 
That is a long play. Huh? But I mean, Jesus's life was uh, longer than a week, right? Yeah. Presumably. Presumably about 33 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are Christ years like different? You know, like dog years are different? Yeah. Maybe Christ years are different. Yeah. Well, yeah, because so. according to like, if you look at the characters mentioned in each gospel, uh, there's a mm-hmm. wide uh, range of when G- Jesus was born because certain people died before other people were born, yet they're in the same room in mm. some, so, in some stories in the Bible. Okay. But like, was it Herod? There's a whole thing where it's like, some one person died in like six BC, and then another person didn't take power until like three AD, and it's like, which one? Right. How did? Yeah, how did they? So what you're saying is the Bible really needed a continuity editor. Mm-hmm. It's true, right? It's mm. true. Hey everybody, do you ever feel tired? Yeah, all the time. You're finding you're drinking more and more coffee and you're getting all jittery. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. I just had one right now. I just finished mine, so. Mm-hmm. Well, I've drinking I've been drinking a lot of coffee lately, but one thing mm-hmm. that makes me drink less coffee and feel energized still is magic mind. Yeah, I've been taking this too. It's been great. It's got that like matcha with like that boost of energy. It's got all those other things like the nootropics and the mushrooms and stuff. All these things to make you feel good and move move a little bit faster. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you can either replace your coffee with mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know have a have that caffeine without the bitteriness, uh, yeah. or you could have your coffee, have one of these, drink less coffee. And so you still get that energy from your coffee, you get your energy from this, and then you're like, ooh. Uh, I have been usually taking them at the same time, a coffee and that. Yeah. And then I find, because uh, sometimes I'll, I'll feel like I need one, another coffee later in the day, but this way it just makes me feel like not wanting to have it, and I don't really need it. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a nice kind of like way to ease off of th- those things a little bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it's sweetened with... Uh, Honey, <laughs> heard of it? Sweetened with honey, uh, and it's delicious. So it's not like this gross, like you know, some of these shots. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got a, I got a down. Oh it. yeah, they got like, what was it, like spirulina or some shit like that? Yeah, I don't know. not that, <laughs> not that. It's honey, it's honey. Nature's sweetener. Nature's honey. That's what nature's got. honey. Nature's yeah. honey. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, it's good. I, I I enjoy this thing. What else? Um, yeah. And you can enjoy it too because if you use our code belief twenty mm-hmm. when you go to magicmind.co slash belief and uh, you get forty percent off your subscription uh, for the next ten days if you use this code belief twenty or you can get twenty percent off a purchase. And uh, the thing with new subscriptions, too, uh, there's already a 5% off code for it. So you get 45% off because it it compounds. So you get 40% off with the code plus a 5% off. So nice. Can't go wrong there. Yeah. And um, yeah, they send us a bunch and it's it's been great and I love it. And uh, yeah, I think you will, too. Um, Again, I'm running out of it. I I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I guess I got to use the code. I know a guy. I'll hook you up. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, it keeps you focused, uh, gives you energy, um, but mm-hmm. not that stressful, jittery ah, energy. Um, yeah, which I and like. You don't sometimes. feel like like that gut rot after either, which mm, is nice. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just get what? some magic mind. Come on, get your mind all magic. And it's, again, it's not actual magic. It's uh, no, it's science. Plants. Plants. And then, yeah, so it took off all over Europe and England. They would do it. Um, they were the focal point of something called mystery plays. And then they would, so like, I don't know, is that like an Agatha Christie, early Agatha Christie? But they also have Jesus, <laughs> a whodunit with Jesus on the cross. Um, I think I've heard of the mystery plays before, but I, I think they are more religious based. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, but I don't sense. know. Yeah, I think because I've definitely heard of them before. Yeah, and mystery cycles. So yeah, I think it's not like a mm-hmm. murder mystery. <laughs> uh, mystery plays and miracle plays. Uh, do 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 do. 
focus on uh, mystery plays focused on the representation of Bible stories in churches as tableau with accompanying antiphonal song. Oh, okay, makes sense. So they dealt with creation, Adam and Eve, the murder murder of Abel, and the Last Judgment, often performed together in cycles which could last for days. Okay, yeah, yeah. So similar type of thing to like the passion plays. Yeah, like big festivals for people to watch and I guess play in. Yeah. Um, and then the Reformation happened, and then um, yeah, yes, it did. By uh, 1542, <laughs> uh, a lot of these plays were banned, especially passion plays, because they were seen as a Catholic thing mm. and not a Protestant thing. And it's like, so get get that out of there, you know, with uh, Henry VIII. Well, they got rid of a lot of stuff at the Reformation, yeah. not just the Catholic stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think people hated yeah. it because everyone Jim's was so fucking Any boring. Any theater was, mm-hmm. was wrong and evil and, yeah. I think all, like, joy and fun was uh, canceled. Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> I think they got rid of, like, Christmas and, like, drinking or tried to yeah, or something. Yeah, they got rid of Christmas. It, was, it wasn't of, yeah. good. It wasn't good. Yeah. yeah. Bullshit. But by mm-hmm. 1660, they came back. That was and guess what? Damn woke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Restorationist. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> Whatever the fuck I'm, I don't know. Whatever the fuck that is. Um, 1660, they came back and women were allowed to be in them. What the hell? I know. What's going on here? Lady Jesus? Yeah. Well, no, not Lady Jesus. Actually, Richard talks a lot about that in the book about him asking people, will there ever be a a Lady Jesus in um, Mm -hmm. in the Passion Play? And they're like, no. (laughs) So adamant. And then he would point out like different things that like that aren't in the Bible that are in the play, different historical mm-hmm. changes they made and stuff. And that those are fine, but they'll never do a, a female Jesus. But yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised by that. Um, and then, uh, so the longest running one is from Germany and that is the, Oh, Trevor, uh, Ober <laughs> Mergau passion play. And uh, that started in 1634. Uh, Still going. So they do it every 10 years. There have been periods of time where they couldn't do it because of war like and stuff like that. Like during World War II, obviously they didn't do it. uh, Things like that. But um, but over like give or take, it's been going since 1634, uh, basically every 10 years. Not continuously. Not continuously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they would do <laughs> yeah. that usually from like in the summer, I think from like August till September, they'll, they'll run it all summer. And so it's like a thing you you mm-hmm. do. Um, mm-hmm. The famous one in Canada is the one that Richard wrote the book about. That's the Canadian Badlands Passion Play. Mm. Um, and uh, I was in a Passion Play for many years. But... Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these, the, okay, so these Passion Plays, are they bound by certain denominations is it like specific denominations that do these or is it kind of like crossing a lot of those and everyone has their own different variations or or is it more just like regional differences in what they are no yeah it's pretty much everybody like there used to be some standard scripts mm-hmm. and some standard gospels they would read but mm-hmm. it's pretty much like up to the individual companies or churches to right. to decide how they want to do it uh, i think as long as you're showing Jesus's crucifixion and probably resurrection, you're fine, and it's considered a passion play. Um, but a lot of them do will show the entire life of Christ. Some of them will just right. show the Passion Week, like the last week of Christ's life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we did when I was in the Passion Play. It was just the last week. Um, but um, yeah, like the uh, the one in Alberta, the Badlands one, has been running since the '90s. And uh, mm-hmm. that's on a yearly basis. Besides, I think 20 and 21 because of COVID. But um, yeah, yeah. Now again, are back to my question: yeah. Are these bound to certain denominations? Oh, yeah, no. Like, is it like a Catholic thing? Is it like a yada yada? You know what I mean? No, there's um, kind of yeah, everyone, yeah, kinda everyone kind of and partakes in it. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think I read somewhere that actually um, Islam was doing them first before even Christianity. Mm. So, um, but I mean, they have a different bit of a different story on how things took place, but yeah. they were doing it before Christians were. So, 
Um, one of the biggest controversies, of course, and we saw this when The Passion of the Christ came out, was that a lot of the Passion plays historically have been anti-Semitic, um, mm-hmm. very much like it was it was the Jews who killed our Lord and really kind of showing that and leaning in on, on that side of it um, with a lot of, you know, very, um, yeah, very kind of racist mm-hmm. undertones with how they... <laughs> they yeah. uh, portray this, especially like the Sanhedrin and the the Pharisees and Sadducees and stuff like that, as like these stereotypical Jewish people, and uh, mm-hmm. that's been called out. And especially like with that one that's been going since, since 1634, that's something that they have to address. Especially since they are in Germany, like a lot of you know historically anti-Semitic stuff happened in Germany. Uh, have they not addressed it they yet? They have, yeah, definitely have. Oh, yeah, okay. but it's okay. like <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. how do they get from the 40s to now not addressed? Yeah, it? I don't know. No, they definitely have, but it's something like, yeah, kind of a mm-hmm. stain on the history of the show for sure. But it is still right. going, and I think they've uh, kind of addressed it. But uh, yeah, lots of lots of anti-Semitism. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's a verse in Matthew 27 that was misinterpreted or yeah i i would say misinterpreted but it depends how you see it mm-hmm. as um saying that the blood of, on our children for you know the crucifixion of christ didn't mm-hmm. it wasn't about the continuation of like sin in all our hearts it it's about the or a curse on a specific race the jewish people and people oh, held on okay. to that for a very long time and you know, neo-Nazis who sit down and have lunch with Donald Trump still buy into that stuff. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so uh, yeah. But um, again, uh, Richard definitely addresses that in the book, and it's a very good read. I'm not paid to do this, mm-hmm. by the way. It's just a friend of a friend, and I enjoyed the book. So just wanted to say. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to give it a read. Yeah, I'll lend you my copy. Oh, lovely. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Not to take money out of uh, the pocket of the author. Oh, yes. I mean, I will buy it for you from Amazon. (laughs) And put money in Jeff Bezos' pockets as well. Oh, He needs uh it. He's had a rough year. Maybe I'll just borrow yours and Venmo him like 10 bucks. Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) I don't think we have Venmo in Canada. No, we have an e-transfer, which I think is... That's right. It's free. Better? Free, yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, though, should we go into the interview? (laughs) Let's uh, let's take a listen. And a little warning here. I set up the way we usually record, and then there was some technical issues. So we ended up having the conversation on Zoom. Uh, so the sound quality is not going to be as good. And um, I forgot to change a setting, so I can't do side by side. So it mm. will be back and forth between the two of us. But I think uh, we've all been on Zoom meetings in the last couple of years. We know how it goes. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Here's the interview. <laughs> Hey everybody, uh, this is Trevor, and uh, Damien's not with me right now. But what who we do have is uh, Richard. Um, Richard, tell me about yourself. Uh, hi, Trevor. My name is Richard Kemick. I live in Roslyn, BC, which is uh, kind of a town in the middle of nowhere, and I am thrilled to be on the podcast. Oh, great. Uh, well, I'm thrilled to have you. It's uh, really exciting. I went through your uh, book this week and I listened to it on the old Audible, which uh, just released on Audible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe two weeks ago, one week ago. Nice, nice. And I really enjoyed it. I think we have a lot in common. Um, <laughs> number one, we have a mutual friend, Lindsay Mullen, who did the uh, um, footnotes and the and the ending thing. Um, and I used to edit her podcast. I've known her through like comedy and stuff like that. So that's how we got to know each other. Um, how do you know Lindsay? Lindsay and I went to a very prestigious performing arts school Ooh. in which we starred together as supporting characters in a midsummer night's dream. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It was it was a truly a magnificent production actually. Did yeah. not get the credit it should have. That's awesome. <laughs> I uh I didn't I didn't study theater arts, but I did I was like adjacent. Okay, so I went to Bible mm-hmm. college in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And uh, my Bible college had a, a theater department, and I was friends with a lot of people there. A few of them uh, acted in this little play uh, in the Badlands uh, <laughs> called the Canadian Badlands Passion Play. Or I think now it's just the Badlands Passion Play. And uh, you, too, were involved 
in that and uh wrote a book about it called I am Herod. Um yeah. what what drew you to to the uh the passion play? Okay, so that so that's cool that you knew correct me if I'm wrong, so you knew about the play, the passion play. Yes. Before like for a while, like for yeah, years now. Yeah, years. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Because so I, as I mentioned, I went to a performing arts high school and did like with my friend Lindsay, did community theater and just like small productions. But I felt like I knew kind of what like the theater scene in Calgary and theater scene in Alberta as as a whole more or less was like like I was not an insider. But I, yeah. I feel I felt like I had a I knew what the hierarchy was and where things were. It wasn't until I was out of high school in the acting world for about 10 years that I heard about this play in Drumheller from a friend. And I could not believe, one, how big this production was, that it, it's almost impossible to over-exaggerate or to exaggerate mm-hmm. how the scale of the production in both money, size, uh, um, design set, uh, casting... And then I also couldn't believe that I'd never heard of it before, that such a mammoth production takes place every year in the Badlands. Almost, I don't want to say in obscurity, but because it's it's very present to the community that participates in it, but to, uh, obscurity to the outside, to, to the community outside of itself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just blown away by that. And I thought I thought I could write about it and that the best way to write about it would be to be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't know because I went to a, a church um, in uh, Brockville, Ontario. So I grew up very <laughs> religious. Eventually, lost my religion. But um, so this this church that I went to, I remember being a very young person, and somebody in my church actually went to the Passion Play in Alberta, took a bunch of pictures, made it into a slideshow, and then sold it to our church as something we needed to do. So I was in our version of the Passion Play for a number of years. No way. As, um, the guy who got his ear chopped off by Peter. I was oh, typecast. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classic role. Classic. Very yeah. demanding. Yeah. Very demanding. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And it was actually it was the it was actually that that little play that like got me into wanting to do theater and performing and stuff like that. Probably just because like I was a kid and this is the only thing that I you know had. But I feel like listening to your uh, to your audiobook, like I feel like that's what a lot of people there too like they had such passion not just about acting but acting in this particular show. Right. Yeah. Hey, one of the things that was kind of wild to me that I didn't expect or or rather what i did expect going in i expected it's going to be the same type of volunteer all the cast except for jesus and gabriel are volunteers yeah jesus makes cash uh yeah everyone else is, and i thought it was going to be the same type of volunteer but what i was kind of blown away by is how not just how different the volunteers were but how different the faith of the volunteers were and how they used the passion play to explore either like the shortcomings or inconsistencies or doubts of their own faith. And it's like a reaffirmation of, right. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor, if I may ask, what was your, um, what did you, what what did you know or think about the passion, this passion play, the Drumheller one, when you kind of heard about it in high school or heard about it through uh, in Brockville? Yeah, so I didn't know much about it. That was like kind of a passing thing where it's like, okay, there's a place far away and they have a passion play at the end. And then when I went to college in Alberta and uh, and then I, I thought about joining the theater department, so I knew a lot of people there and I was in the drama troupe. So, um, and then I just knew a few people who were going to do it that summer or trying to do it the next summer and um, wanted to be involved in that. So that's kind of how I knew it. Mm-hmm. And um, I never actually saw it, <laughs> but that's kind of like where, yeah. So I just knew it was a huge production that they did every year. And the people I knew who were into it were like really into it. So right. kind of, yeah. 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 One of the ways that like I can best communicate how huge of a production it is to people who haven't seen it. Did you know the director, Michael Bay, who did like yeah. um, Armageddon? Yeah. Okay. It's like if Michael Bay directed the New Testament. Amazing. It's just yeah. this very thin on script, very thin on story, 
very yeah. thick with cash. Just like yeah. money, money. We need explosions. <laughs> yeah. We need pyrotechnics. We need horses. Three thousand dollar angel wings. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, but you went into it like you went to Catholic school, and then, mm-hmm. um, and then from there, like that was kind of your. Oh no, Baptist Bi- uh, Bible camp as well, right? So those yeah. are kind of <laughs> your religious experiences before that, and then yeah. So tell me, like, yeah. how were you feeling, like, as far as like your view on religion going into something like this? Totally, yeah. That I kind of similar to yourself, if I may, uh, yeah. kind of grown up with religion, but then had come to what well, you, you put it nicely, come to lose it. Yeah. Um, there is a part of me. And there certainly still is a part of me that is like deeply envious of religious people. Um, that they, when I meet someone who's religious, they seem to have a comfort and security in their life that is fundamental and consistent. Yeah. That I, and I feel like non-religious people do not have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was. I, I often felt like there was a larger part of me that wanted to believe than actually did believe. Yeah. And so I thought like, well, I don't know. It just, it seemed like to be a part of this community and to understand how one, how someone acquires such absolute devotion to give up their summer year after year, after year, after year to participate in this wild production like none of hardly any of these people are actors but they give up so so much just to be a part and to have this um to be a part of the play have this expression of faith i that's something i I really envied and i wanted to see i wanted to see if i could get it for myself too like if i could act my way into belief yeah yeah (laughs) yeah 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 well, I feel like that's what the way it was for me at the end of my belief. Right. I'm like, I can, I can fake it till I make it. Like, I can do this. <laughs> right. It's such <laughs> a fine either. Yeah. Sorry. It's such <laughs> a fine. It's such a fine line. Like, even to be pressed, I'm not sure I could. Like, what's the difference between pretending to believe or believing? Like, both yeah. are. I don't know. The, it, the line seems very thin. Yeah. And but the differences between being on either side of that line to me seem quite profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I don't know, listening, listening to the book, um, actually, Pete Holmes has this great thing. I don't know if you know the comedian Pete Holmes, uh, but he always says when he listens to an audiobook, he just says he read it because it sounds better than saying <laughs> I, had, I had a guy read it to me. But it's <laughs> good. So maybe I'll just say that for the rest. But when I was reading your book, um, <laughs> and there's such a wide cast of characters, and it just reminded me of this time I was on a movie set, um, mm. and I was working with a lot of the extras. And the person, the producer of of the movie, it was like an indie movie. It was very religious. Went to this like kind of mega church. So that's where we got all our extras. So we had just like this group of very religious people. And I remember at one point. Um, someone said they were embarrassed about their tattoo and because they got it before they knew the Lord. And the other person immediately started praying over them and praying for a blessing over their tattoo that God would forgive them for getting it. And it was just like, I'm just like, can we just be at work? Like, <laughs> what's happening right now? It was like this crazy thing. And it just, I don't know, like reading your book, it just reminded me of, of that. And like those little moments you would have, like with the cast of like, just those, oh, that's a thing religious people do. Like, yeah. Casting out a demon or. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what the tattoo was of? Uh, I think it was like the most like simple like regular tattoo that like so many people have like a butterfly or something like that very (laughs) much like not it was just the fact that it was a tattoo (laughs) right yeah i like i feel for myself in witnessing like that type of stuff i feel like i am so self-conscious constantly throughout the day of just like trying to fly under the radar the idea of i don't know just being so brazen in belief to me i don't know to me on one hand is like shocking but on the other hand i just think like how do you get how can you get so confident in yourself and what you believe that you can pray over a tattoo in front of a stranger yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. like 
<laughs> yeah, because I was kind of religious at the time too, and I was like, "Whoa, what's <laughs> happening here?" <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, um, yeah, and I think we talk a lot about uh, mental health and uh, and religion and stuff like that mm-hmm. on the podcast and in my uh, YouTube channel, and um. You talk a little bit about it in the book, especially with the one, the Martha, um, who was fired <laughs> for um, hearing voices. And then they thought it was demons and they had an exorcism and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, and it, like you kind of pointed out at the end that there definitely was some changes and stuff like that. But um, is it, it feels like such a blurring of like, yeah you can have that side of religion where it's like, Oh, it's so nice that, you know, they have something to believe. And then there's this other side where it's like, Oh crap. They're like taking away medical help from this person and like yelling at a demon instead of getting this person help and kind of ostracizing. it. it almost seemed like she was um, like a hush, hush secret. Like nobody would talk totally. about it kind of thing. And, uh, and that kind of, where's my question here like do you feel did you feel that here like the juxtaposition of those two kind of warring factors about belief kind of yeah thing? yeah absolutely there's on one hand my summer with the passion play was like the funnest summer of my life it's like summer camp for adults like we camped yeah. in this abandoned baseball diamond uh, we got to like dress up and kind of be in a play and then sing campfire songs at night and eat wholesome snacks. And so at end, because of the amount of time and the, uh, that I spent with these people and like the stress that we were under, I made some really great friends who I'm still friends with today. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, it was also like the most lonely summer I think I've ever had where I just so consistently felt like an outsider not just in that i am agnostic and was the only agnostic there yeah but yeah as you point out in in like these um these perceptions of mental health it to me religion like or specifically christianity has always fallen short for me in how clearly it defines what's right and what's wrong Mm-hmm. And that I felt that was a shortcoming because it doesn't deal with the complexity of the world. And I, I felt like the passion play itself was struggling with that, of trying to separate good from evil, right from wrong, and trying to figure out where we all belong within that, within that yeah. pattern. Yeah, I don't know. Like on one hand, it's certainly horrendous this blurring of mental health to like oh you're just possessed um and then while it even though it has that shortcoming it simultaneously offers the hand of but you will always belong here uh where i feel like it is a a level of inclusion that's often missing in non-religious communities yeah 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 and that's something like because when i first lost my faith and something i'm trying to do with this channel is like because I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, but I feel like there's that trope of the angry atheist, and there's that trope <laughs> of, and I I am angry sometimes too because you know I've been hurt, but it's also like you people are striving for that community and striving just to be, you know, welcomed and be part right. of a community and feel like hey I'm okay and these people are gonna make me feel like I'm okay. And there is hope. And I feel like that's something that's lost a lot after when you don't have faith and you're like, what do I do now? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of ironically for as many rules that religious communities have specifically Christianity about who you can and cannot be. Yeah. There are also simultaneously, I like, I feel like the most welcoming, there are people in the play who have, lived what I would classify as like terrible lives. Um, But then there is like this welcoming nature in Chris is like, as long as you kind of sign on the dotted line, everyone is allowed in after, which I guess that maybe that goes back to how I feel envy at times of religious community, that there is within very strict parameters, an inclusion that is present there. That's not present always elsewhere. 
Yeah. And it's funny, like me and my friend, I always talk about the fact that like, cause we both grew up in the church and we both aren't in it now, but things like someone could hand me a baby and I know what to do, you know, like <laughs> I, I've never had a kid, um, but I grew up in this community where like, you'd be like, here, hold this. And you know, at, at 10 years old, I'm holding some random person's baby. <laughs> and it's like, there's this inclusion kind of thing where you don't totally. really get that. in like, you know, a sports team or whatever, right. however else we find community, like <laughs> there's just something about that, that, you know, as much as there is, terrible things and and heartbreaking things that happen in the church there's little things like that that it's like oh i do miss that aspect of it where it's like you're just all working together for something totally yeah yeah i i, I completely i completely agree with you the idea that this play of like it's 150 person volunteer cast could ever happen if it were not it or rather like this play would only happen if it were religious. You could never yeah. get 150 people who are not actors to give up their jobs for the entire summer, spring yeah. and summer, if it were not religious. Yeah. I feel like the non-religious world doesn't really have an answer for that yeah. why these religious communities enjoy a sense of closeness and camaraderie that we in non-religious communities have just never really been able to answer or yeah. equal in a way then it's what it's just, it's just what may be interested in joining mm-hmm. blows my mind too because like i mean you think of most jobs you get what two weeks of vacation pay. yeah <laughs> and so these people are like yeah just giving up so much and like they must have like a lot of people just in seasonal jobs or like part-time jobs that don't mind if they're gone for like <laughs> that long and like working their life around that yeah, yeah. What I, f- I feel like the most striking example to me was the guy who played Simon Peter. And then in the script that we had in my year, Simon Peter is really like the main character. He has more lines than Christ and is on stage. He's kind of like the narrator in a, in a way. Si- Simon Peter did uh, drywall. He hung drywalls. Yeah. And so like the summer is obviously the big time for that. And yeah. so he just like didn't work for months and months and months to be in this play. And he the striking thing to me is he knew he was a shitty actor. Up <laughs> on stage each night, he would get the shit kicked out of him of just like trying to hold on. Yeah. He and but he he felt like I have been called to do this. The director hath chosen me. Yeah. And and it, he was compelled to endure this because he felt it was an expression of faith. Yeah. Which to me, I admit that's just I mean, I was blown away by that. I, yeah. I really was. Yeah, that yeah, that's crazy. Like, I feel like I'm using that word a lot, but <laughs> it was wild. It was crazy. It was the whole. Yeah. yeah, it really, it really was. Yeah. Um, Trevor, okay, may so, I ask you a question? Yes, for sure. I, I, I am. I was just thinking of this on the drive today. How has, if I may ask, how has your, I don't want to say faith. Maybe, maybe I would say relationship with faith changed since doing this podcast. Hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting because before I started doing the podcast, I was done with talking about religion Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was <laughs> over it. I was so annoyed, but then a couple things happened where that just really made me angry and, and things like that. And then like, cause I had a, a relative who had an issue with, uh, a handsy youth pastor and I had you know things like that that I was like yeah people need to speak out and then I had like a dinner with a friend and we talked about some really funny things that happened at church and and like growing up in church and I thought it'd be funny to talk about that in a podcast so I I was like well what if we just have a podcast that talks about everything about religion and so we can <laughs> hit those angry things and we can hit those fun things and and then the pod the YouTube channel's been more of the angry stuff but um I've found since I started doing it, I care more about like theology and things like that mm. than I did kind of before, and maybe even when I was religious. <laughs> like, mm. Not that I believe in the theology, but I'm intrigued by people's theology and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, and it's it's interesting to see like how it got to the way it is and you know how religion changes over time. So I mean, yeah, definitely I don't have quote-unquote faith but i'm 
way more interested in people's faith than <laughs> than I was in the past. So. Does does talking about faith make you nostalgic for the time you had it? Um, no. <laughs> oh no way! No, I would have bet a million dollars you were going to say back. yes. Yeah, the more I the more I dive into religion the less i want to go back <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's those moments like we talked about where it's like that community and stuff oh i miss that but also mm-hmm. there's like way more that i'm like oh i'm so glad i'm out <laughs> right sure <laughs> yeah sure. So, but yeah like part of me wishes like and, and in some ways the youtube community has become that for me though like has mm. become that like um people reaching out and and talking and they went through the same thing so we can have that conversation and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that so in a lot of ways i i kind of am getting that community back so maybe that's why but that's really neat yeah yeah so yeah. i don't know and um i pulled up a quote it kind of hit me when i was listening to it so i just want to sure. talk about this one quote from the book um you said uh, there's no humility in prayer only upturned mouths of baby birds wanting to be fed um do you remember, like, is that specifically from something that happened or just kind of observation over the time or? Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I so as, as you pointed out that I was raised Catholic. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the religion of the average volunteer, not all of them by any means, but like, yeah. I don't know, 60% of them would be Baptist. Yeah, and Baptists and Catholics play pray in like the exact opposite body yeah. position possible. <laughs> Catholics, you're literally like shrinking into yourself on yeah. the floor, and then Baptists, it's all like upturned face, starfish arms. Yeah, um, and I, to me, something that I wrestled with throughout the summer and tried to parse was kind of as we talked about earlier uh, today that the difference between performing belief and actually believing. And I, the people to me who were the loudest about their faith in uh, the play, who would pray the loudest and and take up the most space while doing that uh, had, yes, the strongest belief but i would not say the deepest belief Mm -hmm. um that in that kind of uh not just posture of prayer but like ideology of prayer that it's all about like here's what i want here's what needs to happen to me and so forth that i think a lot of the i don't know yeah maybe as i said like the, the humility of yeah. the act falls away and that the people who were the quietest about their faith, I would say had the deepest relationship, which is what their quietness was derived from that. There was yeah. so much, I was really surprised about like the constant inner theological struggles of many of the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, you know what? I did notice something else. Those who struggled the most with their faith, nine times out of 10 had real roles. Like the vast majority of actors in the play have yeah. nothing roles. And we treated them like shit. We didn't, <laughs> yeah. they, they would work the hardest because they would be on stage like all the time as extras mm-hmm. in the beating sun while everyone with lines would be on and off stage. And when we're off stage, we're of course in like an air conditioned tent. Yeah. Uh, but the people who had the deepest and quietest relationship with their faith were given speaking roles and i don't think it's a coincidence i think it because it uh there's an interiority to their faith which was expressed on stage where like the surface level performance of faith is all is just like limited to the back row you know i even noticed that like at bible college because i was so close Mm. with the theater department even though i wasn't in the theater department that i always found it interesting that it was that department where the most talented people were the ones who were struggling with their faith. And it's like, you chose Bible college because that probably made their parents happy or because they are religious and, uh, but they also want to do theater. So they're like, well, this, this Bible college has a good theater program. So that's a good compromise. But yeah, I wonder if there is something there about like when you're struggling with that stuff, how you, 
go to how you take on different roles and how you express yourself on stage. I, yeah. I wonder if there is yeah. a correlation there. Yeah. One of the parts that I really stands out to me for being in the place that the guy who played Judas, which is the role that I wanted originally, yeah. um, the guy who played Judas, he it would like ruin him each. He was also like the moodiest person. In the <laughs> cast. But he, he was adamant about playing Judas that he was trying to understand how Judas, this uh, human being could betray. So profoundly betray not only his friend, but like his religious icon yeah. in the way that as we all know, Judas did. And the deeper he delved into the character, the more sense that choice made to him. Mm-hmm. I, I think I do not know this, but I think this is common for actors, yeah. actor people to do this and then tell everyone about it. Um, yeah, but that the deeper he delved into the character, the more sense the choice made to him. And then that in turn up upended like the whole foundation of his faith, which is really hinged on this betrayal of Judas. But the more yeah. sense that Judas's betrayal makes, the less uh sense that uh overall story makes to him mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense. I, okay this is again so random but yeah, yeah. I, I my brain is going way back to my theater days yeah love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, so i was in a play um called how the grinch stole charlie brown's christmas hmm. and it was a play for kids put on by my bible college but it was a combination of the two TV specials because we couldn't decide which one we wanted to do. So we <laughs> and uh, I remember um, the person in charge of costumes because she didn't get a part <laughs> um, was the most like hardcore believer in the group. And sure, I remember right. she went to Value Village and she bought all the costumes and um, she she came in and she's like, God guided me through that Value Village. God really directed my heart to uh, find all the costumes and they're exactly like on the cartoon and it's amazing how how much god had his hand in it and then gave us the costumes which were all wrong <laughs> and the director's like none of these are like the cartoon <laughs> just that i and i always wonder like did she say that because she really believed god guided her or she just didn't want any criticism on the costume <laughs> no what do you what do you th- what do you think i i mean that genuinely what do you, I think what do you think god i think she believed god guided her i really do yeah. like yeah <laughs> i i do too i don't know her for shit but i i do too yeah <laughs> and wouldn't that be just so wonderful just to choose to live your life like that of yeah. to hand in shit and be like god god loves this essay yeah. <laughs> God said all the math answers were right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like it must just be so freeing and empowering. Yeah. Simultaneously. And the cost of achieving that is you just have to let yourself do it. Like yeah, the, the, and- the cost of entry is so low. It is. And I couldn't do it. Like I yeah, the right. there, like I wanted God to guide my life like that. I wanted that, but Either I wasn't listening or God wasn't talking because yeah. it wasn't happening. Like it would be so much easier, but it never, never happens. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time here on the Zoom, sure. Um, so we might as well, you know. Oh, I, I, I enjoyed the book. Where can people find it? Any anywhere they buy their books. The the audio book is only Amazon, iTunes, and fuck, there's a third one. Just think of a corporation and you're probably right. Yeah. You're um, right. <laughs> but the, then the book itself, like the real deal book, um, anywhere, any bookstore uh, would be able to get it or online or anywhere you want. It's called I Am Herod. I'm going to put the, for the YouTube watchers, I'm going to put the image on the screen so you know exactly what you're oh, looking cool. for. Oh, <laughs> cool. You're so good with the computers, Trevor. <laughs> oh, I love computers. Oh, it was funny. Um, I was watching a video of somebody like taking down another YouTuber and they had like, instead of, they, they showed a book, but they didn't cut out the, like the white part of, of the picture. Mm-hmm. They just had like the book and then they, and they're like, you could have just cut that out. I'm like, oh no, have I done that? i was like oh no so that's why you watch other stuff so you can see what you did wrong Uh, (laughs) i thought that was a really 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I just, I just wanted to say, I thought that was a really cool point that you were making about how that YouTube community that you're a part of has, in some ways, replaced or maybe answered the uh, the community that you've let go since leaving religion. I, I, you, I've just been thinking of it since you brought it up, and maybe mm. that's more common than I think. That the closest thing in our like a. Uh, atheistic age that we have right now yeah. is would be online communities i, I don't yeah I, I thought that was really neat i think so even like some podcasts i listen to like they, they'll have like a fan page on facebook that's like just yeah. for the listeners and i find great community in those places right and, yeah and yeah uh, that's neat yeah um yeah so i guess i was gonna end it with like where <laughs> do you stand now on religion um yeah when you know, you know what? When I uh, entered the play, I w- I saw my doubt as an agnostic, like which is I feel the worst religion to be as an agnostic because it's the <laughs> old, it's like the person at the party when you're trying to like order pizza who's just says like oh whatever, whatever. you want and like <laughs> contributes nothing to the decision. Yeah. Uh, I, anyways, I always found that doubt like a shortcoming on my end that I couldn't yeah. um, commit myself to any belief, whether or not that belief is atheism or religion or Christianity, yeah. anything. I felt it was a shortcoming and that's why I joined the play was to try and either bring me into the fold or push me out, but either way yeah. would make me choose a lane. And it did, it did, uh, didn't do that at all. Uh, yeah. But, it, but it did make, I guess it made me more okay with my, ambivalence my um my inability to pick a lane because as i kind of mentioned that the some of the most devoutly religious people there had a a very similar very similar level of doubt to me they just chose to express it in a very different way yeah yeah so that i used to think that i i was in the minority in having this doubt not being an atheist, not being religious. I guess since being in the play, I I realized it was really the other way around, that there were few and far between the people who did not have doubt. And they were people that I did not necessarily want to be like. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, I guess it just made me more okay with, with living, with living in that middle space. Yeah. 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 And I always try to get the, <laughs> get the message out there that you're okay. Like wherever you're at, in your right. belief or loss of belief. I've had people being angry that I've had people on here that like I had a, my friend on and he happens to be agnostic and he happens to believe in ghosts, which I definitely don't. But uh, just the fact that he's like, oh, I believe in ghosts made people really upset. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there'll be a few people upset that I had somebody who didn't, you know, outright deny it like I do. But like, <laughs> I think just like figuring it out and just being like, I don't know, is is okay. And you're okay. You know? And I think people need to hear that sometimes. That like, like there's so much, this universe is huge. You can't know everything. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes just saying, I don't know, is, is the perfectly fine answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> or yeah. saying God told you. <laughs> yeah, that these Charlie Brown <laughs> costumes are fucking bang on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was awesome talking to you, and uh, yeah, we'll it was great talking to you. And uh, love the book, and I think everybody else will love the book as well. Thank you very much. I I really appreciate chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Oh my God! Wow! Thank you so much! Oh, wow. thank you! Oh, thank you! Thank you so much! Hey everybody and welcome to our Bible study. Um, welcome. Well, Thank you for coming. Today of course we're studying the story about when uh, Jesus was mm-hmm. a little baby boy and mm-hmm. uh, they had to give him special gifts but they didn't know what to get yeah. uh, the baby so they got it gold because mm-hmm. what baby doesn't like gold and special incenses? Yeah. You know, the one thing they never talk about in the Bible that I always wish they had um, was uh, how often they needed to change little baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think it's important to know these details about the Lord. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. And was his mm-hmm. was it holy shit? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. I don't know why you're laughing. Mm, sorry, I shouldn't swear. Bible study. <clears throat> Should we pray for some people and thank some people? Let's 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 thank them and pray for them. Okay. Well, I want to pray for and thank uh, Folded Helix as well as Carl. Pray, 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 pray. Wonderful pray. people. Pray, 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 pray. pray, pray. That's how we pray here. Pray, 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 pray. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've got a special prayer request today for our friend uh, Rod Bab. Now, Rod Bab, they've been getting into the holiday spirit, you know, putting up the decorations, Christmas lights, tinsel, the tree with all the bulbs and mm. dangly bits on it, all all in the name of the Lord. But one thing that's just been just been really driving me nuts is they've been putting up way too much dang mistletoe. Mm. So I'm not able to get anything done without having to give someone a big old smooch on the lips every three seconds. So Rob Bab, I, I appreciate you going around and, and making it such a festive time for us, but maybe cut back on the mistletoe about 30%. Yeah. And, mm. uh, yeah. And I have a huge bear request for Aaron. See, Aaron was mm. recently visited by three ghosts. Mm. Um, ghost of Christmas past, Ghost of pr- Christmas present, right. and um, and the. Uh, I thought you were going to say gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, amen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Aaron was kind mm. of on their phone the whole time. Whoa! Just not paying attention to what the ghosts were saying, and the ghosts were like, "Hey, this is an important moment." Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but also, mm-hmm. I got to beat my high score in Candy Crush, so. And uh, did they? Yes. Well, that's a Christmas miracle yeah, if so, ever I did hear one. Mm-hmm. So we're lifting them up and this is a praise report. Amen. Praise report. Amen. Amen. Um, Amen. Damien, should we look at some uh, Christmas miracles in the form of a Christian rock lyric? We should. Uh, you just excuse me. I got to go uh, smooch somebody under this mistletoe mm-hmm. first. Okay. Can't you see you're not making Christianity better? You're just making rock and roll worse. All right, Christian rock, and today we're talking Christian passion conference, the passion conferences. You're listening to G-O-D, the God. God. <laughs> Have I ever right? talked to, um, on the on the podcast about when I was a kid and I had a cassette where I made a Christian radio station? So I was like the DJ in between the <laughs> no. songs that I would record off my parents' <laughs> tapes and records. No, that's oh, great, man. Though. And at one point, Do I you like, have made them? a jingle. I, I I think my brother has it, but I was like, yeah, it's Christian Bible songs, Christian Bible songs, singing about the Christian Bible songs. <laughs> I just went on. Mm-hmm. And, it's pretty good. I'll, I'll try to find it. This might be a Patreon exclusive. Ooh, a little bit of exclusive. <laughs> But this song is from something called the Passion Conferences, um, which is a series of things, and this is the worship band. <laughs> the Passion Conferences sounds like the most boring, useless thing in the world. Why would anyone want to listen to anything from that? Yeah, and you know what it sounds like, actually? You know those, like... A bad work trip? Those MLMs that sell, like, um, sex toys? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like their big annual conference would be the Passion Conference, where you get together. Oh, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's this like the other passion, not the suffering passion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be really funny if they double booked them in the same venue and people just kept getting confused yes. and going to the wrong Passion Conference. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe it would enlighten a few people. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. That you can light your butthole with a <laughs> glowing butt plug. <laughs> That's what I meant by enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this song is called The I'm Cross sure of Christ. This. Cross of mm. Christ. <clears throat> Hot Cross Christ. <laughs> Hot Cross Christ. Uh, it goes like this. Son of God, mm-hmm. son of man, mm-hmm. his life poured out what? for all. His hands, oh, see his hands, see his scars. His love can't be denied. Our God is high and lifted. It is the cross, my only plea, the blood you shed delivers me. Our Savior's arms are open wide, a love so great, the cross of Christ, every debt, all we owe. He bears it all his, as his own. Brought to life, we are free to live in Christ alone. 
How can you be free to only have one option? Um, our God is high and lifted up. See the Lamb of God. See the Father of love. All to Jesus we owe. He paid it all. Okay, so this is really funny. First of all, lift it up like a truck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father of love is hilarious, too. Yeah. Like, that's like a bad nickname you'd give yourself if you think you're hot shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he has all the debts paid, then what do you call all my student loans, Jesus? Hello. Yeah, you know Hello. who paid for that? Joseph mm-hmm. Biden. Oh, wait, we're Canadian. Well, thanks, oh, Biden. Thanks, oh, Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's pretty uh, pretty intense lyrics yeah. for uh, talking about some guy lifted up on a cross. Yeah, and that's the something. thing with the Bastion play, too, and a lot of sermons about the crucifixion is it's so violent and graphic in there in nature and mm-hmm. it's like yeah we get it it hurt like yeah it doesn't mean it's is that the ones where like in some like south american countries they actually crucify people they, for yeah or like you know they'll like hammer themselves up on the crosses for it yeah i've heard about that um yeah i've seen videos of it it's pretty fucking wild yeah, i don't think i do that to be honest if i'm gonna no, be I wouldn't honest with you they do it to feel his pain mm-hmm. it's like why you don't have to do that yeah that's like the whole point of it. <laughs> it's like the why yeah, you did so it. You don't, so you don't have to. Yeah, so you don't have to do yeah. it. With this one simple trick, uh, devils hate him. <laughs> oh, so great. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. On The Price is... Oh, on Believe It or Not. Bye. Bye. Work, 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 Sky Moon. <laughs>